with the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Mem Hey. We will begin on Daf Mem Dalid Amid Beis again, beginning with the Brais at the end of the Amid Tana Rabbanon. Beginning the Gemara says the Brais Tana Rabbanon Shor Shehemis. If an ox killed a person, actually Nigmar Dinoi before the ox was actually sentenced in court. If then the owner Macharei sold it. Says the the sale is valid. And let's read inside Rashi at the end of and even according to the opinion of the Chachamim that we just previously learned. The Loi Darshi, that they do not expound that they don't hold that in order for a Beisden to be able to put a ox that killed a person to death, it has to belong to the same owner during the killing and during the Gemardin. And therefore the Chachamim who don't hold of that, ultimately, reading at the end of Rashi, the ox will be found guilty. And therefore one might have thought that the sale to begin with is not a sale. Says the Brais of the sale is a sale. In other words, being that it wasn't yet condemned to die, it still had value. And therefore the owner owned it. There was what to own. The sale is a sale. And like we spoke at yesterday at the end, Machur Rashi says Liridia. So the buyer has the sole rights to use it for plowing because he owns it until the ox will be put to death. And likewise, back in the Braisa on top of Memhei, if the original owner, Higdishoi, after it killed before the Gemardin, being that there wasn't yet a Gemardin, the ox now is of value. The Hegdish was effective, and therefore it is actually Mugdash. And if someone else misappropriates the animal, they will be Chayiv Meila. Likewise, Shechata, if the owner, knowing that the ox will be found guilty, before the Gemardin shechted the animal, sorry, mutter, you're allowed to eat it. Now let's continue learning the Braisa. What happens if the owner gave his ox to someone to guard it? And as we learned in the Mishnah, any one of the four Shoimnim stand in the place of the owner. And now the ox gored and killed a person. And now the guardian, the Shoimid, returns the ox to the owner. And we would like to know whether that's considered a proper returning of the article. So the Shoimer, so to say, is off the hook. He gave back what he received. Or, no, he got an ox that wasn't the killer. Now that the ox killed if it's going to be found guilty and be put to death. So maybe we should argue he didn't return anything of value. Says the Brais. If, and as the Rashi says, before the ox was condemned to die, continuing in the Hemshech Habraisa, the owner gave it to a guardian. Under the guardianship of the guardian, the ox killed someone. Before the Gemar Din, the Shoimer returned it to the owner. So the din is muhsar. Let's read inside the second Rashi, second line of the Amid. Rashi, second line of the Amid, muhsar. Ba'afagav, the shakle lay beidinon, even though eventually Bezin will take the ox, and Bezin will kill the ox. Nevertheless, says the Braisa reading inside Rashi, heavy shoimer patur, the guardian is exempt. Doha, kishahichziroi shoir ma'al yuhu. Because when he returned the ox, being that there wasn't yet a Gemar Din, the ox was a proper, was 100% a valid ox. However, back in the Braisa, if 
If an ox killed someone and based on already found the ox guilty and condemned it, so then in all the above cases, the halacha changes. If if the owner sold it, the sale is not a sale like we spoke on in the Mishnah. Number one, if you can't even have benefit from something, it's not considered yours. Number two, it's, it's nothing... The chefts of the shayr is not something that could be sold. It has no value. So, eno macher. Likewise, sig di eno mugdash. If shechata, if the owner wanted to circumvent the skill and he shechted it, as we learned on daf mem alif, it won't help you. The besara is going to be awesome. And likewise, if all of this happened while it was under the guardianship of a shaymer, and after the Gemar Din, the Shemir returned it to the owner, here says the Tanakam of the Braisa, it's not considered returned. Then he has to now either give him back another ox or give him money to the value of the ox. However, says Rabbi Yaakov, Af even after there's a Gemar Din, when it comes to the last Din of the Braisa, by a shaymer returning this ox to the owner, it is considered returned. Now, what is the argument? Lema, perhaps, that that the underlying logic, which will be the reason for the argument between a Chachamim and the Rebbe Yaakov, will be the following. That Aban and Savri, the Chachamim hold, you can't say on something that was damaged in an undiscernible way. Something that did not physically change. But Halacha says that you can't derive benefit from it. That's called Hezek She'enoi Nikr. That you cannot say, Listen, the fact is, is that physically what you gave to me, I gave back to you. And therefore it's considered returned. The Chachamim holds that you cannot say that. Which is why they say, The guardian is responsible to compensate the owner. Rabbi Yaakov will hold that that you could say, if something happened to a physical object that isn't of physical in nature, it's only a halachic change, it's a hezek, it's an undiscernible damage that you could halachically say, Now this is an argument that is going to be used, for example, in a case of chametz and Pesach. That if a ganev stole chametz, Shimon stole Reuven's chametz, and then after, before Pesach, and after Pesach he does tshuva, and he gives him back the chametz that he stole. What we know that chametz, chametz that was under the ownership or the guardianship of a yid over Pesach becomes also to have benefit of even after Pesach. It's called chametz shavar all of a Pesach. But this halacha again is a halacha that doesn't physically change the chametz. It's a halachic change in the chametz. It's called a hezek she'ein nikr. So there also, there is a machlaikis, apparently, according to this, whether you could exempt your obligation of returning the theft or not by giving back the physical chametz. And this is the machlaikis here between the chachamim and Abenu Yaakov, to which says the Gemara, Amar Abad, can be that the Kulialme Oimrim Isuri Hanna'a, that our Braisa, both the Tanakama and Abi Yaakov, will hold that you are able to say by Hezek She'ein Nikir that it's not considered halachically a Hezek enough, and therefore the person can tell the owner, 
And what is the proof of Rabbah? Because the Imkain, because if the Chachamim were to hold that Hezek She'ein and Nikit is called Hezek, to the point that you don't fulfill your obligation by returning it, because what you are returning is halachically not valid. Niflek Le'ignim Chametz Bepesach, as Rashi speaks out, that later in Perek HaGoyzel Eitzim, the Chachamim should have opined over there that Aganeth cannot return the Chametz which is now halachically asr bahana because it's chametz over all of our Pesach. Yet we find later in Agoizel Eitzim that everyone holds that Aganav could fulfill the Beheshev Esagzela even though halachically the owner can no longer derive benefit from it. So therefore we are going that everyone holds that you could say Hadeshal Cholofanach. Elohache, what is the argument in our Bereisah? The question is whether Beisden can try the ox without the ox being actually present and now we have to add another detail in the case of the Braisa that when the Braisa spoke about a Shemir returning the ox to the owner after Gemar Din it wasn't only that he returned it to the owner but before that the owner gave the ox to Beisden for Beisden to try the ox and after Beisden paskened on the ox that the ox is going to be Chayv Skila then the guardian returned it so now let's read it inside. The Rabbanan hold, since ein goimren dinoy shal shoyr elabifanov, as we spoke many times out, kemisas habbaalim, kachmisas hashoyr, just like when a person is being tried to death, Beisden can only hold that trial in the presence of the alleged uh, murderer. Here also, Beisden can only condemn an ox for skila if the ox is physically present in Beisden. And therefore, Hezek she'enenikir for these dinim is not, not called Hezek. But here there's another problem, which is why the Chachamim holds the Shemir liable. The Amar the owner, tells the guardian, I ahadarte nihali, if you would not have given this ox over to the hands of Bezdin, if you would have returned it to me, I wouldn't have given it over for, to the Beisden for the Beisden to have a possibility of holding it liable. I would have hid it in a swamp, as we learned many times before, that an owner can have such a claim. Now, now you delivered my axe in the hands of those that I cannot protect myself from, I cannot litigate from, which is you gave it over to the hands of Beisden. And as many of the Rishonim explain, that what the Rabbah is really adding in the Braisa isn't only that there was a din in front of the ox. If Beisden on their own grabbed the ox, the owner cannot have a taina on it. Here the reason that the owner is going to have a taina on the shaymer is because the case was, is that biyadayim, the shaymer gave the ox over to Beisden. So that's called the hezeka biyadayim. Now the halacha that they passed in, that the shaymer's chayv skilo, would not affect and would not make him liable because we are saying that if physically the ox is still here, which it is, then he could tell the owner, 
But over here, he did an avla, and that's called, he was mazik the ox by giving it over to Beisdin. Now Rabbi Yaakov, even in the case where the ox gave, where the shoimer gave the ox over to Beisdin, will hold that the shoimer is not liable, because Rabbi Yaakov holds, let's read inside the Gemara, for Beisdin to try and to find the ox guilty, and to rule that the ox is chayiv skilo, the ox need not be there. So whether the guardian gave the ox over to Beisdin or not would be irrelevant in the, in the eventual outcome, which was they found the ox guilty. And therefore the Amalei, the Shemer, can tell the owner, even if, yeah, I gave it over to Beisdin, but it wouldn't have made a difference. So if so, if Migman have a they anyways would have passed that the ox is chayiv misam, even if the ox would have not have been there. And therefore, being that we are saying that both the Tanakhama and Nabi Yaakov holds by Yehezek She'en and Nikr, both when it comes to Chometz and Pesach, that the Ganev could fulfill his obligation of a Heshev Yisak even though halachically what he returned to the owner is no, of no value. Even though over here, based in Paskin, that the Shedus Chayv Skilo. So halachically, the ox is Asur Bahana. Nevertheless, since the ox is physically here, the Shoemer, could fulfill his obligation and tell the owner, listen, I, you gave me an ox to guard, I'm giving you back an ox, and I am off the hook. Now, what is behind the argument of the Chachamim and Abi Yaakov, whether Goyimim Dinoi shall share B'fanov or Shalai B'fanov? My time is the Rabbanon. So here we're going back when it says Hashar Yisakel in the parsha of an ox killing a human being. An ox killing a Yid. So the Torah juxtaposes Hashem Yisakel that the ox has to be put to death v'gamba olav yumas and that's at all at the end of pasuk chavtes. So because of the smichus of the juxtaposition of stoning the ox and killing the owner, the Torah really goes on and says that you don't kill the owner. There's only kaifer. But here in the same pasuk Hashem Yisakel v'olav yumas k'misas haba olam kach misas hashoyim that ma ba'olam the din is bifneim. Everyone knows that to try a yid in court in a capital case, then this the person the defendant needs to physically be there. Afshoyim the ox itself b'fanav has to be in based in Rabbi Yaakov says. True, there is a smichus, but it doesn't make sense to compare the halachas one to the other. The reason why the Torah demands for the defendant to physically be present in the Beisdin, because since he is a person who has intelligence, he can argue in his defense, and we want to afford him that opportunity. However, when it comes to an ox, can the ox argue for his own defense? Fence, he cannot. So what difference will it be whether he is there or not? The only question is, is there evidence? Do you have Adam or don't you have Adam? And for that we don't need the ox to be there. Now continues the Gemara quoting the second, as Rashi said, new halacha that we learned in the Mishnah, andaf mem daladamid base, which is, is that the arba a shoimrim, a shoimr chinam, shoimr sachar, a shoyel and a soicher, they are in the place of the owners when it comes to their liability to damages that the ox does when they were guarding, when they were borrowing, when they were renting the ox. Masari l'shoyim erchinam l'shoyim chuli says the Gemara Tan Rabbanu, quoting a Baris, Arba'a all of the four nichnasu tachas habalim they stay in the place of their owners and ve'elohein and these are the four guardians. Eshoyim erchinam someone who is guarding an article without getting paid, 
for which he will only be held liable. Now let's just make something very clear. There are, there are the dinim that we were learning until now, which is that if I own an ox and my ox does damage, then I am liable for the damage that my ox does. Depends what type of damage, right? You have by Keren, Taman, Muad, you have by Regal and Shane, etc. With all the dinim that we learned until now. But there's another din that we have to bear in mind, which is if I am a guardian, and if the thing that I am guarding becomes damaged, then the question is, am I responsible to compensate the owner? So let's begin with the latter. When it comes to the responsibility to guard the item that is under my guardianship, a Merchinam is the least responsible. He's only going to be responsible to compensate the owner if he was grossly negligent in guarding it. That will be called Shia. Only when he was a Poishaya, very negligent, will he be liable. But if there was no negligence, that means, for example, if a thief broke into the house and stole it, or if the person lost it, Geneva Vaveda, being that he was not paid to guard it, he won't be held responsible. And certainly, if an accident happened, if an oinus happened, he's for sure not going to be liable. Then you have a shoyal, a borrower is on the other end of the spectrum, being that the person who's borrowing the item isn't even paying to use it, he is held the most responsible. Not only is he responsible by Peshia, not only is he responsible by Gneva Vaveda, he's even going to be responsible if a accident happened by Oynas. You borrowed it, you're responsible for it. And then you have the Noise Sachar, the Noise Sachar, or a Shoimer Sachar is somewhere in between the Shoimer Chinam and the Shoyal. A Shoimer Sachar, not only is he responsible if he was negligent in guarding that article, but more than that, even if it was a Gnebo or a Veda, he wasn't negligent, but it wasn't a accident. It was something in between. In the category of Grave of Aveda, he will be responsible, but if an oinus happened, if an accident happened, then he will not be held responsible. Now when it comes to a seicher, a renter, we'll see soon, is really a machloikas between Tanoim, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Yehuda, whether we compare the seicher to a shoimer chino, or whether we compare the seicher to a shoimer socher, and we'll get to that more in a few lines. So the Braise here counted out the four that are called generally the four Shoimnim, Shoimer Chinam, and the Seder here, Shoyel, Noise Sachen, and Sachen. So says the Braise, Hargu, if while the ox was under their jurisdiction, the ox killed another person, so then the din is the same, that if the ox is Tamin, as we learned until now, then the ox itself, Neherogen, has to be killed. However, just like if the ox is a Tam, the owner is not liable to pay koifer, and Latana, Lashitas Rabbi Eliezer, not even half a koifer. Likewise, over here, Upeturin and a koifer, the Shaymer also will not have to pay koifer nor half a koifer. However, if the ox was a muad, then not only neherogin, not only does the ox have to be put to death, but umishalmin esa koifer, the shoimer is the one that has to pay koifer. Now, on top of that, now that the shoimer is in the place of the owner, and therefore he needs to pay for the damage that the ox did to others, now as we mentioned, there's another issue. He has to return the ox to the owner. But he's not returning it to the owner because the ox got stoned. The ox got killed. 
Now, the sugya before taught us what were to happen if after the Gemara din, if he returned it to the owner, that was the Machlekes, Tanakam, and Abiyakov. But here we're speaking about a case that the Beisden actually killed the ox. They stoned the ox. So says the Braisa, that now all of the guardians have to return the value of the ox to the owners. Chutz who only if he was a Poisheya has to compensate the owner. And as the Gemara is going to clarify later here, there was no gross negligence which led to the ox killing others. There was no Pshia. Ashoy Merchinam who's putted on Pshia will be putter from compensating the owner. End of Raisa. Now, Amri, they analyze in the Gemara the following Keichidami, what exactly is the case of the Raisa? Hold on. Let's not forget that if there was no Pesheya, which is why the Shemekinim doesn't have to compensate the owners, that means that there was a certain amount of guarding that he did over the ox. But one second, if he guarded the ox, then why should he be chayv to pay for the, for the damages that the ox did? Why would he have to pay for a kaifer? If the Shemit guarded the ox, meaning, first of all, he should not have to pay kaifer. And all of them should be exempt from paying the owner back aside of the shoyal, which is like a chayef for everything, because they, they, was not, they, they guarded it. So if the ox nevertheless damaged, let's put this in the category of an oinus. And for that, even a shamer sachet is going to be exempt from paying back the owner. It must be that the owner didn't guard it. Upa, if the owner didn't guard it, let's call that a presheya. That's called negligence. Then and if that's the case, even the shoymer chinam should have to compensate the owner. Gewaldik. So Amri, they answered. Now the Gemara is going to reiterate something that we will learn in today's shir. On the Mishnah, Daf Mem Heomid Beis. What is the Braise referring to? The Natre Shmira Pechusa. Shmira Ma'ulam. So let's clarify. The words Shmira Pechusa means a lesser level of guarding, an inferior amount of guarding, and Shmira Ma'ula means a superior type of guarding. The lesser or inferior does not mean a bad amount of guarding. So as we will clarify in the Mishnah, but let's speak it out right now, when a person locks the ox into a pen and the door is locked, and even with regular winds that blow on the door, the door will not open. In other words, a person did something that under normal circumstances, the ox will not be able to go out and damage. That is good, but that's still called here in the Lashon of Chazal, Pechusa, because the person did not foresee and try to circumvent that even if an unusual wind will come, still the door will remain locked. Shmira Mu'ula means that the person locked it in such a way that even with a Ruach She'ena Mutsua, even that would be unable to open up the door of the barn and the ox will not be able to go out. So now the question is, what level of guardianship must the owner have or must the Shoymer have for him to say, listen, I did it, I guarded it and I'm exempt or I didn't do that and therefore I'm Chayiv. So we're going to learn later that there is a difference between a Machlekes Tanoim, whether Shmira Pechusa is enough or not. So the case is that he used it, Shmira Pechusa. He used the lesser amount of guarding, but he did not guard it to prevent even an unusual heavy strong wind from, let's say, breaking the barn open. And says the Gemara, 
sins, you cannot say that he is negligent because he guarded it. It was a lesser amount of guardianship, but lesser doesn't mean bad. For, an, for the average win, the door never would have opened up. The ox never would have gotten out. So therefore the Shemir is going to be potted, because he's potted, not only by Shia, by Oynes, he's even potted by Gnebev Aveda. But Hanoch, when it comes to the others, like also Shemir Hassan, Zatrashi, the fourth line from the bottom of the Amid, all of the others aside of the Shemir Hassan, the Hanoch, like also Shemir Hassan, Shechayov and Boyli, his Chazik, Bishmir Hassan, Sheyei Shamur Lebailov, that the other ones who have to guard it more than the Shemir Hassan, for them, a Shemir Hassan, not a Shemir Hassan, will be like in the category of Geneva Vaveda. In other words, for them it's considered, Rashi says, an act of negligence. So now it makes sense. So there's Shmira Pchusa, there wasn't Shmira Mu'ula. As far as the Shemir Chinam is concerned, that's enough. So he doesn't have to compensate the owner. As far as the other ones are concerned, even just the Shemir Sachar, he is already chayv on Geneva Vaveda, he's going to be chayv on a Shmira Pachusa, he has to compensate the owners. However, ask Stigamara one second. Omri, and by the way, and that's why, all of them have to pay kaifer. They all have to pay kaifer, because as far as kaifer is concerned, even for the Shemir Chinam, he's in the place of the owner. The owner would have to pay kaifer when there was only a Shmira Pachusa, so he also has to pay Kaifer. So Amri, so now they ask, come on, one second, who is the Tana of our Braisa? If the Tana is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, now let's just speak out of two points. Number one, we're going to learn in the, in the Mishnah Daf Mem Hei Beis that according to Rabbi Meir, both a Tam and a Muad always need Shmira Mola. And if you have Shmira Pachusa, then the owner of the ox, and in this case the shaymer of the ox, is always going to be liable. The ox is going to get killed, that you're going to have to pay kaifer, you're going to have to pay for the damages, v'chuli. According to the Tana Rabbi Yehuda, by a tam, only by the tam do we say that shmira pechusa is not enough. But by a muad, shmira pechusa is enough. Meaning that the owner of an ox, or in this case, the guardian that is in the place of the owner. If they did Shmira Pachusa, they will not be held liable to pay Kaifer. So we have to work everything out. But before we go into that detail, there's something else that has to be spoken out. And that is the following. That there's a machlekes between Ameir and Rabbi Yehuda as how do we view the renter. That Ameir is the one that holds, that a renter is like a Shemir Chinam. Rabbi Yehuda is the one that holds that a renter is obligated like a Shemer Sachar. This Braisa separated Shemer Chinam from all the rest. This Braisa put Shemer Sachar and Soichen in the same category. So asks the Gemara, if our Mishnah is, if our Braisa is according to Rabbi Meir, which holds that you always need Shmira Meula, which is why everyone is going to be chayv to pay kaifer. And on the other hand, Hitak explained why the Shemir Chinam doesn't have to compensate the owner, because as far as his responsibility for guarding is concerned, only for that is Shmira Pechusanov. The problem is that Meir holds that a renter, a Seichet, is like a Shemir Chinam. So just like the Braisa said that the Shemir Chinam does not have to compensate the owners, turning the page, he should have said the same thing with the Shemir Sach. The Omar, he says, is So it must be that if we are putting Shemir Chinam separate 
if we are separating the Shemir Chinam from the other three Shemirim, it must be Rabbi Yehuda. But the problem is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, a Shmira, Pechusa, is only needed by a Tam. But by a Muad, where there is Kaifer, Shmira, Pechusa is enough. So why do you have to pay Kaifer? That a renter's is So it makes sense now why the Mishnah Taka said itself. Only the Shemir Chinam is exempt by Gneva Vaveda. Only the Shemir Chinam can argue since I had a Shemir Pachusa, I don't have to pay back the owners. However, when the Mishnah says, the Mishnah shouldn't have said that by Muad they have to pay kaifer. No, the Mishnah should have said that v'kulam v'mayadam p'turam li'en kaifer. Like we mentioned, because according to Rabbi Yehuda, a shmira pachusa is enough by mod. Kaifer is only by mod. And if there was shmira pachusa, and the, uh, so no one should have to pay kaifer. Yavaldik. Amar Barchinana. So Rabhuna Barchinana answers that our b'raisa must go according to the Tano of Rabbi Eliezer. Which what does Rabbi Eliezer hold? That once an animal becomes a muad, a loy shmira elosakin, that even shmira muula does not help. In other words, as we'll learn later in today's daf, that when the Torah says v'lo when the Torah says that in the parsha of a shirt that's being mazik, even another shirt. That if the animal became a muad and the owner didn't guard it, Rabbi Yezid interprets those words to mean that once an animal became a muad to be mazik, nothing you will do is going to be considered halachic guarding. And you always will be held liable, meaning that you really have to kill the animal. You can shecht it and eat it. But the only way you guard it is Ella by killing it. And therefore this explains why even when you had a shmira pechusa, according to Rabbi Yezid, you're going to be held you're going to be liable, even by Shemir Mu'ullah you're liable. However, he will hold like Rabbi Yehuda, that Seicher is in the category of a Naisa Sachar, and going back to how we explained it, so there was Shemir Pachusa. There was not Shemir Mu'ullah. So do you have to compensate the owner, if you only had Shemir Pachusa, for a Shemir Chinam, and only for the Shemir Chinam, that's enough, which is why the Shemir Chinam is exempt. Everyone else has to compensate because they didn't do Shemir Mu'ullah. On the other hand, why are you chayif to pay kaifin? Because you have to kill the animal. And if you didn't kill the animal, no matter how you guarded it, you are liable. Abaya, Omar Abaya says, Really, the b'raisa goes according to Rabbi Meir. And everything works out. In other words, why are you chayif kaifar? Because Rabbi Meir holds that you always need shmira mu'ula in order for you to be exempt to pay for the damages of what your animal did. You always need Shemir Mu'ula to be exempt from Kaifer. Here there was no Shemir Mu'ula, Yechayev Kaifer. Why are you exempt by Shemir Chinam? The Shemir Chinam is exempt from returning it to the owner because it wasn't a Pshia. I, the Kasha, is according to the Tanei Rabbi Meir, he should have also exempted the renter. So it says, the Gemara says, Abaya Uked Chemachlev, Rabba Baravua. That just like we learned that Rabba Baravua had an opposite version of what is the Machlekes by a renter between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. And and he learns, we're going to have this in Bava Metziah, that Seicher, Ketzad Meshalim, Rabbi Meir is the one that says that a Seicher is like a Shemir Sacher. Gavaldik. And just like the Shemir Sacher is Chayv and Geneva Vaveda, a Seicher is Chayv and Geneva Vaveda, they are both Chayv by Yashmira Pechusa. Rabbi Yehuda is the one that said he's like a Shemir Chino. And our Brais is like a Rabbi Meir. So everything works. 
Amar Rebbe Says Rebbe Masar Shoiroi L'Shoimer Chinam If a person gave over his ox to a guardian whom he did not pay to a Shoimer Chinam Hizik, if the ox did damage then Chayiv, then the Shoimer has to pay for the damages Huzak, but if the ox got damaged then Potter, he doesn't have to compensate the owner asks the Gemara again Omri, they asked this din of Rabbi Elazar Hey Chidami, exactly what was the case either Kabul Alei Shmiras Nezakov if it is a normal case of guardianship in which the guardian is taking responsibility for damages that happened to it, afilu huzak nami, then even if it got damaged, he should be chayef. However, but if the guardian explicitly said, I'm going to guard it for free, but I am only doing it on the condition that I will not be held liable for damages. Those words have to be said for him to be exempt. But if those words were said, then he exempted himself even for the damages that it does. Afilu hizik namili pot. Can't have it both ways. Answers the Gemara. Speaking about a case where he did not explicitly exempt himself. However, look at this. Notice that this is a goring animal. It's an aggressive animal. We're not speaking about the animal being a mort. But the guardian noticed that the animal is aggressive. Now, an aggressive animal is an animal for, for whom other animals are afraid of. In other words, it never dawned on him that some other animal will gore this ox. However, Faker, knowing that the animal is a nakhan, he understood that guarding it means he has to make sure it doesn't hurt others. And therefore, Vistama de Milsa Deloy Azal Ihu Umazik Achrini Kabalale, since he did not explicitly exempt himself from damages, so the stam is the Shaimir has to make sure the animal does not damage others. And if it does, like we learned in our Mishnah, the Shaimir is in the place of the owner. However, the Osi Achrini Umaskilay Diday, but as far as being concerned that other animals will gore it, it never entered his mind. So over here we say, even though he did not exempt himself, since circumstances appeared that no animal will even have the guts to try to hurt it, he never needed to guard it. And as far as the ox later getting, da getting damaged, for that he can claim that Huzak, I am Potter, says the Mishnah. And now we're going to learn the source of this Machlekes, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda and Abba Eliezer regarding how much guarding is necessary for one to be able to claim to Beisden. You know, my animal damaged. I'm an oinus. I'm exempt. I did my part. If the ox was tied by a rain, that's the way you normally tie down an animal. And when an animal will exert normal force to free itself, it will not be able to free itself. Or, v'nal b'fan of if he properly closed the door. Properly closing the door, meaning that with a ruach metsuya, a normal wind will not, will not be able to open up, to knock the wall down, or to blow the door open. But if something unusual happened, and v'yatsa, and v'yizik, so the question is, can the owner claim, I'm not responsible, I'm a oinus, 
And again, only Adam is muat lo'elam, bein ba'aynas, bein ba'ratzen, bein ba'shegek, bein ba'mezid. But as we continuously learn, if my property does damage, if I'm an oynas, I'm exempt. So am I an oynas or not? So Rab Meir holds that when it comes to me being responsible, if I did not guard my possessions with a shmira mu'ula, I'm, I'm liable. Echot tam ve'echot mu'at. And there's no difference if the animal is a tam, if the animal is a mu'at. I'm chayiv divided Rav Meir. Rav Meir holds you always need a shmira mu'ula. Now yes, if there was a shmira mu'ula, and still somehow the animal damaged, then you'll be potter. But if not, you're always chayiv. Rab Meir. Rabbi Yehuda holds that there's a difference between a tam and a mu'at. And here we have the big novelty, the big chiddish. Normally a mu'ad is something for which the owner is more responsible. Here we're going to see that for this din, the mu'ad, for the mu'ad one is, so to say, less responsible. That only by a tam do we say that even though you afforded a shmira pachusa, ah, you didn't do a shmira mu'ula, yachayif. Tam demands shmira mu'ula. But for a mu'ad, you're going to be potter. And where do you know it from? I mean, it goes against logic. If a mu'ad... It already proved itself to be a damaging animal. You should have to watch it even more. But Shanemar, it's a Pasuk. And the Pasuk here is not in the Pesukim that we were constantly learning about. You know, Pasuk Chavches, Chavtes, Lamed, Lamed Alf, on the days in the Parsha of a Shoyer that killed a person. Here, we're starting to quote the Pesukim in the same Pedic Chav Aleph. But regarding an ox that gored another ox, an ox that was mazik someone else's property, there also the Torah in Pasuk Lamed Hay speaks about a tam, and Pasuk Lamed Vav, a muad, that by tam, the chatsu es kaspoi, you gotta pay chatsi nezik, and by muad, you gotta pay nezik sholin. So here the Pasuk says, in the muad, that the, that the owner did not guard it. In other words, the owner did not, the shomer in other words, why are you liable to pay Nezek Shalom? The Torah says, because you didn't guard it. But if you did guard it, and a Shmira Pachusa does not mean a bad Shmira. It just means inferior relative to a Ma'ula. But as for any normal circumstance, you did something that should have, that would have prevented the animal from damaging. For that, you're going to be exempt. We did have such a logic one time before, you know, the balance of things. That if on one hand, the Torah is being you to pay Nezek Shalom, so on the other hand, you also have to have it that if I, I did what I could, you have, so to say, more leeway that if you gave a Shemitah, you'll be fully exempt. If to begin with, the payment is only half, then you're going to be more liable for only that half. Okay, that's Rameir Rabbi Yehuda. The third opinion is Rabbi Yezer. Rabbi Yezer, Oymer, Ein Once an animal becomes a muad, even a Shemitah mu'ula is not sufficient. If I made a Shemitah mu'ula, it means I put my animal in a place that even with a ruach she'ena mitzuya, my animal will stay in there. How, what happens? Something even more, complete freak accident. An oinus gomor, and my ox damaged, I'm chayif. Nothing is an excuse, because once an animal becomes a muad, the only thing that I can do to guarantee me not having to pay for the damage that my ox does is killing the animal, shechting the animal. So we have these three opinions. In other words, by Tam, everyone agrees that you need to have a Shmira Mu'ula. It's necessary and it's sufficient. By a Mu'ad, we have a Rabbi Meir that holds that, it's, it's a, that you have to have a Shmira Mu'ula. Shmira Pachusa is not going to be enough. According to Rabbi Yehuda, he's the one that's lenient. He holds that even a Shmira Pachusa is enough by a Mu'ad. And then you have the opposite side that Abu Yezer holds that even a Shmira Ma'ula, 
by a muad is not going to be sufficient. By tam, yeah, but by muad, no, it's a muad. You gotta kill the animal. Oh, says the Gemara. My tamad Rab Meir. Why does Rab Meir hold that you always need a shmira mula? Kosava Rab Meir holds tam shvarim lav becheskas shimur kaim. That oxen are not in a guarded state. In other words, that owners normally let their oxen run about. We're speaking about domesticated oxen. And Astaisvis, importantly, in Tapara Amit, points out that this statement of Chazal does not mean here what it meant on Daf Tezva, the Ainan Taisvis, but we're touching it over here, that oxen normally are not guarded by their owners. Now, when the trader tells you that if one's ox, that's a tam, does damage, you have to pay for Chatzinezek. What does that imply? That Hashem is telling you that you can't do what everyone else does and be exempt. No. In order for you to be exempt, you have to guard it more than the usual. If the usual is not to guard it, so then the next level up is Shmira Pachusa. And if you do a Shmira Pachusa, that's how he begins. That would be enough. That is how you begin to learn Pasuk Lamed Hay. When the animal who is a Tam does Nezik. Now, and now that the Torah adds in Pasuk Lamed Vav Bayamuad that if you did not guard it, it's an, it's an extra Vilayishmereno. In other words, the Torah is telling you, not only did you guard it, but you didn't guard it, you're still liable. So, by Muad from the Vilayishmereno, which is above the Shmirah and Pasuk Lamed, hey, we have a Shmirah Mu'ula. In other words, we see that if you don't have a Shmirah Mu'ula, then you're going to be chayiv. What will exempt you? Only a shmira mola. But that's by yamuot. However, comes along, Rabbi Meir, and Gavaldik, and as we learned on Daf Mem Dalid, that in the parsha of an ox killing a person, we had the Pasik Lamad Aleph, Oy Bein Yigoch, Oy Bas Yigoch, Yigoch, Yigoch were extra, and they are learned to make a comparison between Tam and Muad. So the Yalef Negichala Tam, Negichala Muad. So now that Veloy Yishmerenu, in Pasik Lamad Vav, by a Muad that damages another ox, there we understand that Veloy Yishmerenu means that you need Shmira Mu'ula. If you have Shmira Mu'ula, it's sufficient. But if you didn't have Shmira Mu'ula, even though you had Shmira Pachusa, it's not enough. You will be held liable. Now that we make the Gzeda Shava, Negichalotam, Negichalamuad, now we also say that even by a Mu'ad, Shmira Pachusa is not enough for you to be exempt. Only when you did Shmira Mu'ula can you tell based and listen, it's an Oynes, I did what I could, and you'll take a be off the hook. Rabbi Yehuda holds Tam Shvarim Cheska Shimur Kaima, the opposite, even. Everyone guards Shmira Pachusa, their oxen. Nevertheless, again, when the Torah begins in Parshas Mishpatim, that if your Tam was Masik, Pechatsi Nezik, in other words, the Torah is telling you that you have to guard it even more. What's a step up from already guarding it? Shmira Mu'ula. Still, Amar Achman on the first white line, Tom Nishaling, teaching you that the Nebayalei Shmira Mu'ula. And if not for the Shmira Mu'ula, you'll be Chayif. Oh, so we already know that you need Shmira Mu'ula by a Tam. Now the question is, why was there even a need for the Torah to repeat the same thing by the Mu'at? We already know that Shmira Mu'ula is needed, and if not for the Mu'ula, you'll be Chayif. So why is it that Hadar Amar Achmana, by Pasig Lamed Vav, by Ashur Mu'at, we already know that. 
So the Torah is repeating something that we already know. So now we're going to apply this rule. And the rule is, It's an amplification. After an amplification, you have to do something ma'ula. And again, you have to do something ma'ula. And the rule is that when you have such an order in the Torah, that's unnecessary. It's to teach you that actually we are limiting the level of guardianship. That ain't riboy, riboy, so the opposite. So he understands the ribi by muad. It's teaching you that by a muad, even pechusa is enough. If there was v'lo yishmerenu altogether, that's when you chayef. But if you had even the, even the normal amount of guarding it, for normal circumstances, the ox wouldn't have been unable to damage, you'll be off the hook. So miat ha'kosav l'shmira me'ula by a muad. But one second. Now why don't we say the same gzeda shavah? Now that we understand, because of the rule that ain riboy achar riboy, elulamayit, that by yamuat shmira pechusa is enough. So why don't we say now that negichalatam negichalamuat? Say the same thing as also by yatam. Says the Gemara, no. Hamiat rachmana v'lo yishmerenu l'zevulay laacher. That this pasuk is only found in pasuk lamedvav by yamuat. It's only by a muad that Shmira Pachusa is enough. By Tam, we remain with the din as we had before, that only Shmira Mu'ula is going to get you off the hook. And if you didn't have Shmira Mu'ula, you have to pay. But the Gemara says, How can you learn Veloy Shmirenu? And therefore, you only apply it to muad. Says the Gemara, no, 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 no. The words is not to exclude the muad from the tam. The words we need it for this extra repetition, which actually teaches us the words that all you need is the That's all these words mean. You can't use these words also to exclude the tam. Why don't we use the Xerishava? Answers the Gemara, I can learn two things. In Cain, the Torah could have written Velo Yishma. Had the Torah only wanted to teach us through the system of Ein Ribui, Acharibi, Elolomayet, that a Shmira Pachusa is enough, the Torah would have said Velo Yishma, implying that as long as you had a Shmira Pachusa, then you don't have to pay for any of the damage. But the fact that the Torah says, V'lo Yishmerenu, you did not guard it, it meaning a muad, that comes to teach you the second in, that only by it, only by the muad, is a Shmira Pachusa enough. But by Yatam, you still need the Shmira Mu'ulam. So we have now back, we have Rab Meir, we have Rabbi Yehuda, and on our Mishnah, we have the Tana Rabbi Eliezer. Says the Gemara, Tanya, we learned a fourth opinion, which is the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, the Kavanaki. What does he say? He says, Echotam ve'echodmot. That both by Yatam and by Yamot, if Shashemarish made a the owner guarded it, in the category of guardianship that we call Shemitah Pachusa, the lesser amount of guarding it, which is a good amount of guarding it. For normal circumstances, the ox would be unable to damage. And the animal somehow damaged. In all cases, you putter. Why is that? My Tama. First of all, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov learns like the Tana Rabbi Yehuda, which understood that normally so the expected, what God expects is for us to guard it more than the usual which is Shemitah Mu'ula and then the Torah repeated that word by Mu'ad and you have a riboy yachar riboy so by Mu'ad we learn that there is and now he actually does learn from the Yigach 
from the Gzeda Shava between Tam and Muad, the Yalaf Nagihal Tam Nagihal Muad, he doesn't exclude it from the Valoy Shmerenu, and just like from Ain Riboy Akhadibi by Mi'u by Muad, a Pichusa is enough, by Tam it's enough. Which means that when is a person liable for damages their oxen does when they don't guard it at all? As long as they gave the normal amount of guardianship, they're gonna be exempt. Now, Omar of Adabarahavo is going to teach us something that we learned already before. We quoted this before in the Mesechtim. Let's not forget that when it comes to a Muah, there is a Machlekes Tanoim as how to view the din of Nezek Sholem. And Tana, the Tana, Rabbi Yehuda, understands that a Muad is not a new category of animal, but that a Muad is a Tam plus. And therefore, for example, the halacha that Tam pays chatzin nezek only migufoi, and a muad pays nezek shalom in aliyah, Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's not that all of the nezek is paid from the aliyah. The extra half of damage that the Tam does not pay, that is what is paid min aliyah. But the original chatzin nezek, the first half of nezek of a muad, is also paid migufoi, because a muad is a muad plus. Now let's apply this over here. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Meir holds, you always need to have a Shemitah Mu'ullah. It's very simple. Rabbi Yehuda is the Tana that differentiates. Again, it's a little bit unusual that the Tam is the one that needs Shemitah Mu'ullah. The Mu'ad only needs Shemitah Pechusa, meaning that if you did Shemitah Pechusa, you're off the hook. So now says Rabbi Ado, Barahava, do you know what you are off the hook for? Only for the second half. For the second half of the Nezek Sholem. But for the original Chatsi Nezek that the Tana Rabbi Yehuda holds, even a Mu'ad is a Tam plus. And by a Tam Rabbi Yehuda holds that you need a Shemitah Mu'ula, when you did a Shemitah Pechusa, you're not off from the first half. That's Gabaldic. You still have to pay for the Chatsi Nezek by the Mu'ad. Because the Mu'ad is a Tam plus. Now says the Gemara, that is only the opinion of Rav Ada Barahava in Rabbi Yehuda. But Omar Rav, Rav is going to make a statement. And we, the Gemara is going to show you that from Rav's statement, it becomes obvious that Rav disagrees with Rav Ada Barahava, that Rav will hold that even though Rabbi Yehuda considers a Mu'ad a Tam plus, Meaning that the chatzin nezek of the nezek sholim is paid nigufai, but when it comes to these dinim of the level of guardianship that you need, and you have the leniency of Rabbi Yudar and our Mishnah, that by a muad you only need a shmira pachusa, if you had a shmira pachusa, then you are not only exempt from the second half, according to Rav, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you are exempt from everything. The only thing is, is that Rav did not explicitly argue with Rav Adabarahavu. But what did Rav say? Says Rav, you should know that 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 muad lekeren yemin enoi muad lekeren smoil. Rav made a statement. Statement is that if an animal for three times in a row, when there was an animal standing towards its right, and the animal got aggravated and it gored, it was mazik the animal with its horn. Now the the the, the damage was towards its right, which means the damager used the right horn. Once an animal becomes a mud with its right horn, it doesn't necessarily mean that if an animal is standing towards its left, the animal will gore that animal as well. And if it does so, it remains a tam. You only have to pay chatzinezek. Now, Rav's statement at face value might appear to be a chiddush, that we differentiate the right horn from the left horn, but as it becomes evident in the Gemara, based on the Mishnah that we learned together on Daf Lamed Zayin, 
that a muad for one thing does not automatically become a muad for something else. A muad adam does not become a muad lebehema. We expected everyone to know by themselves that an animal who only gored when someone was towards his right, especially since this example of the right side being normally the stronger side, so the animal has more courage to gore with its right than with its left, it doesn't make the animal a muah to, to, to war with the left horn. And that should have been a given from the Mishnah and the Aflamat Zayin. That's what Rashi explains. From the fact that Raf still says, what he means to apply is that the levels, the expectancy of the level of guardianship is different between the right and the left. And let's soon explain what that means. Omri, so they asked Ali Daman, what would Rav mean if he's saying that the level of guardianship for the right side is not the same of the left? Obviously, if he would be holding like Rav Meir that learned in our Mishnah that both Tam and Muad are always, we always need Shmira Meula. Shmira Meula is needed and sufficient, but it's needed. So I don't care if the right horn is a muad and the left horn is a tam. Regardless, the owner, to be off the hook, always has to do a shmirah mullah. Ah, now we have a problem. Now Rabbi Yehuda was the one that made the difference. My idiot, Karen smile. If Rab Ado Barahav is right, that's here in between the lines. Meaning that even for the right horn, even though Rabbi Yehuda says that for a muad, which is the right horn, Shmirah Pachusa is enough. But if he meant it's only enough for the second half, but for you to be fully exempt even from the first half, you also need a Shmirah Mu'ula. So here, even here, Rabbi Yehuda, for the right and for the left horn, for you to be completely off the hook, you have to have Shmirah Mu'ula. If Rabbi Ada would have been right, because of Tzad Tamus, the Izbet Tzad Mu'edes, for the Tzad Tamus, you still have to have a Shmirah Mu'ula. So therefore, Amri, they explained, now we understand what Rav is really saying. Rav is arguing with Rav Ahada. That Rav is going according to Rav Yehuda. And Veloi Sviralei did Rav Ahada Barahava. And Vahachi Ka'amar, this is what Rav is saying, that Ki Hai Gavna, that when there is an ox, that is Mu'ad Likeren Yemin. And he's a Tam Likeren Smoil. Do you want to know? You should know the Mishkachas Beit, Satamos Umaedis. That now you have a scenario where your level of guarding it will be sufficient for one side and not for the other. In other words, when it comes to the Tam, there again, and the, and the animal went ahead and it gored with the right, and you made a Shmirah Pchusa, Shmirah Pchusa for Muad is going to be enough, and you will be fully exempt from the Nezik. However, when it comes to the left side, being that the left side is the tam, for here, if you made a shmirah pachusa, you'll be chayf to pay chatzinezek. But you'll be chayf to pay the chatzinezek. In other words, what Rab wants to point out is that if the animal would be more to both sides, then shmirah pachusa would always be enough. Again, not like Rav Adabarahavo. Let's just finish up the Pedic. Says the Mishnah quoting, says the Gemara quoting the third opinion in our Mishnah. That Rav Eliezer is the one that holds that by a Tam you need a Shmira Mu'ula. However, by a Mu'ad, even Shmira Mu'ula will not be enough. Imagine, you are always going to be chayv to pay, so what should you do? You should kill the ox. Shech the ox, use it for the meat. But don't allow the ox to remain alive, you know it's a damaging ox. Says the Gemara Amar Rabba, Mike Tamad Rabbi Yezer. Why does he say it? The Amar Kron. 
So going back to the Pesukim that we were quoting in the Mishnah, again in Mishpatim, in Pasuk Lamed Hei, Pasuk Lamed Vav, is where we're speaking about an ox that's damaging someone else's ox. Pasuk Lamed Hei is a tam. Pasuk Lamed Vav is a muad. When the Pasuk says in Lamed Vav, that the owner did not guard it, what it means is not that since he didn't guard it, he's liable. Means, that this ox cannot be guarded. No matter what you do, even a Shemitah Mu'ula, the Torah says, pay for the damage. Now that you know the ox is a mu'at, to gore, to damage, you are always liable. Why did he interpret the words, meaning that no matter what you do, it's unguardable. If that's the way you teach it, when you have in Mishpatim, when you have the parsha of Boir, and the Torah begins, if you open up a hole, or if you uncover a hole, and then the Torah says, and you don't cover it, so the Torah says, you're liable for the damages. So why don't you say the same thing? We don't say that by a bird. We interpret the words that if you uncover the pit, and you did not recover it, then you are liable. But if you did cover it, you did your part to make sure no one gets injured, then you will not be liable. So just like the words Veloy Chasenu doesn't mean that it's halachically uncoverable. Here also Veloy should mean that it's not that it's halachically unguardable. It should mean either Larab Meir or Larab Yehuda. That you, you didn't guard it, but if you did, you should be exempt. And Vechi Tame in one second. Maybe the Tana Rabbeliezer by Boyer also holds that no matter what, you will always be held liable. Halachically, you will, it's, un, it's an uncoverable pit. If the pit is there, you're liable. We learned in the Mishnah that if the person who dug the pit or who uncovered the pit then properly covered it and and we don't find in the Mishnah Rabbeliezer that argues. So Abaya, as Rashi explains, adds to what we learned before. That From where do we know that a person should not raise a vicious dog in their house? They should not own a vicious dog. A person should not have a rickety ladder standing in their home. As it says, Do not allow blood to be spilt in your home. So now that the Torah was Megala, that you are not allowed to maintain something hazardous in your house. So this is what caused Rabbi Eliezer to interpret in Pasuk Lamed Vav the words let's read the last Rashi in the Patek, the in second line on top of the Amid now that you know you're not allowed to have something hazardous doesn't mean that if you did have something hazardous you'll always be liable but now that you know that you shouldn't do it this is why Rabbi Yezid understood that means in Rashi that you should never keep it and no matter what happens, it's unguardable. By the by the pit, we don't. That's not called a hazardous article in your property. That's not included in the din of Rav Nassan. So there, we allow the pasuk to be interpreted kipshutai. That if you didn't cover it, you're liable. If you did cover it, kiroi, then you won't be liable. Hadran Allah, Shoresh We will return, God willing, to Pedik Revi. And the next year, Merz Hashem, we're starting to learn the fifth Pedik in Baba Kamon.